If you've got a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And uh, while you are turning there, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you found yourself extremely excited about Christmas? Some of you might say, right now, I'm extremely excited, ready to go home. Uh, I know when I said we were going to sing Christmas songs a few minutes ago, I heard a few people go, yes, all right, ooh, right, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Y'all are excited. Some of you, though, you might say, the last time I really was just dripping with excitement and anticipation was when I was like five, right? And uh, I would get up early at five o'clock and I'd run into my parents' room and say, it's time to get up. The presents are here. Santa came. Maybe he ate the milk and cookies and your parents would go, come back in an hour, right? They would send you back home to your room and make you wait. Uh, It may be that it's been a while since you got that excited. And over the years, uh, you find yourself sort of drifting in your excitement away from Christmas, And so Christmas becomes one of those times, not as much for excitement about the event itself, but maybe you're just, you're glad to be done with school, right? Uh, You're looking forward to sleeping in, uh, but maybe you're also worried. Uh, You're worried about gaining weight. You're worried about spending all your money. You are worried about spending time with your parents, going back to that old room with the homecoming mums on the wall and everything, and going, this is not where I belong. And so uh, you find yourself maybe not as excited as you once were. And what I hope to do this morning as we look at Acts 2 is just for a few minutes recover some of that excitement, not necessarily about the presence, uh, not necessarily about Santa, right? Uh, I'm not going to, you know, break any news about Santa to you this morning or anything like that, but uh, my goal is not to get you all excited about the trappings of Christmas, but as we walk through Luke 2 for a few minutes, I just want us to pause And look at the impact that the birth of Jesus Christ had on the people who were around it. Uh, That this was such a cataclysmic, world-altering event that the men and women who heard the news of Jesus, it wasn't like they were just like, yeah, we're going to make a little sticker. Jesus is the reason for the season, right? And then they would go out and be happy and still go on with their life. Instead, the realization that in Jesus Christ, God entered the world changed everything they said, everything they did, everything they thought about, and it changed their life. And so our prayer for you guys as you go out this Christmas is that you'll recover some of that excitement and some of that joy. So when you go home, you'll focus your heart and your mind on what it really ought always to be focused on, which is knowing Jesus, pursuing him, telling your family, your friends, about him, encouraging others to know him. That's what we see in Luke chapter 2. Let's set the scene real quick. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. All right, so picture this scene. These shepherds are just kind of standing out in the field. They got their sheep around. They are in an extremely rural area. 
Right? This is like they're standing in Snook or Brenham or something on the outskirts of town. All right? Some of you Snook people were offended by that. I'm sorry. Okay? But extremely rural. They're standing on the outskirts of town, and all of a sudden, the, the sky lights up. It's like day. And these angels appear to them, and these are not precious moments angels, right, who are going, hello, look at my pretty wings. You know, these are the army of God, the host of heaven. The sky lights up. They begin to sing glory to God in the highest. They make this announcement today in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. It's Christ to the Lord. Now that has all kinds of meaning for these men because they have grown up like every Jewish man or woman has grown up looking forward to the day when God will send a king who will fulfill all of the promises he's made to the people to reign on the earth, to do away with sin, death, distance from God, to do away with oppression from the nations around them. And the angel appears and says, that's this day. And you shepherds are the first witnesses to this. This is huge. Why does God send this message first to these shepherds? I think it's because, first of all, it demonstrates God cares for each person, no matter how small, seemingly insignificant, that this is a message for everybody. I think it's also a communication of the fact that throughout the Scripture, There have been all kinds of kings that were supposed to shepherd the people and shepherd the nation of Israel and represent God, and all of them failed. And in this message, God says, the chief shepherd, the perfect shepherd, the one you want to follow, he's here. He's here. And it's a world-altering event, not just for Christmas, but for all of our lives. God in the flesh is lying in a manger, in the little town of Bethlehem. Now watch how the shepherds and the rest of this town responds to the fact that God has entered into history, into our lives. Look at verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. The first thing is that the message of Christ prompts this focused activity. All right, these shepherds go to Bethlehem. Why do they go to Bethlehem? It's not because they don't believe the angel, right? The angels have just appeared in the sky. The glory of God is shown forth. They're not going, we better check up on this whole angel message. Why do they go? Why do they go? Did anybody uh, watch the Heisman announcement last night on ESPN? Okay. Anybody happen to go to campus to watch it there? Anybody in here go? Okay, a couple of you guys. All right, why did you go? Well, you didn't go for information, did you? Uh, You could have gotten the information this morning. Just turn on the news, just go to CNN, uh, just look on Facebook. You could have gotten the information in a number of ways. You didn't watch or go to campus to watch with everybody because you needed information. Why'd you go? You went because you wanted to be a part of history. You went because you wanted to be able to tell your grandkids one day that I stood there with a whole bunch of Aggies while we watched Johnny Football enter into this fraternity of Heisman winners. That's why you went. The shepherds don't go to Bethlehem because they need info or they need proof. They go because suddenly they realize 
God's entered into history, and we don't want to miss this. So they go to Bethlehem. Notice they leave their sheep, right? They're not going to drag the sheep through the streets of Bethlehem. They leave them probably in a pen, and they say, everything we had to do is less important than this. The message of Christ changes the way we think about our activity. As you go home, as you stress out over those Christmas presents, as you try to get along with your siblings again, as you worry about the food you eat, as you worry about your money, as you think about how you're going to spend your time, challenges allow the message of Jesus Christ to focus your activity, to say my primary activity for this Christmas break is to know him better. It's to know him better. So I may have to say no to some activities, to somebody's show or play or a movie or this event so I can spend time with God. As I think about how I spend my money and my time, it may be that I don't thoughtlessly engage in all of the materialism around me, right? But instead I think, how can I use my money, my time, my energy to know Jesus Christ and reflect the message that he's entered into the world? It focuses what we do, changes what we do. Message of Jesus prompts this sense of focused activity. I know what my mission is, and I'm not going to be distracted from it. Right? Now, going on, verse 17, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. So they focus their activity, and then they go forward and they proclaim the message. They proclaim the message joyfully. Right? I mentioned a few minutes ago that if you had gotten on Facebook this morning, you easily, or last night for that matter, you easily would have known that Johnny Menzel won the Heisman, right? My guess is that a lot of you, that was your status last night, or you tweeted it, or you called your parents, or your friends at TU, right? And you said, hey, <laughs> did you see this? Right? And so you're going to go get your Johnny Manziel Christmas ornament. You're going to send your friends framed photos of Johnny Manziel just so you make sure they know that you went to the right school and they went to the wrong one, right? <laughs> you want them to know. The message of Jesus Christ is so powerful to these shepherds that they say, everybody has to know. And notice they don't go take a class on evangelism, not that those are bad, but what happens is that they have seen the angel proclaim the glory of Jesus Christ. They have met the baby. They have seen the Savior. And so it is the most natural thing in the world for them to go out and say, the Savior is here and he's in Bethlehem. And so they move forward with this sense of focused activity, but also this sense of everybody needs to know this. They take it for granted that everybody needs to know And for you and me, as we go into Christmas then, do we begin to hopefully look at the clerks at the store, the waiter at the restaurant, our family members who frustrate us at times and say, my mission in life is to proclaim that God has entered into history in Jesus Christ. And if you believe in him, you can be saved from your sin and have eternal life. And I proclaim it with joy. And I think it's, Tempting to do that here when you're surrounded by a strong group of Christian friends who will go with you in that task. But then when we go home and we're alone and we're separated from those friends and we're not walking as closely with the Lord to forget our mission. And I understand sometimes the hardest people to share Jesus with are those in our family or our friends from high school or those who are close to us. So as we go home, will we engage in that kind of joyful proclamation saying it's the most natural thing in the world 
to proclaim that Jesus Christ saved me from sin and death. And he's here to do the same for you. Christmas is a wonderful time to do that because people are already thinking about what does it mean? Why all the celebration? And a lot of people don't feel very celebratory. And we have an opportunity to bring that joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and proclaim that he died and rose again so we can have life. Going on, verse 18, all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. There's extraordinary amazement that surrounds the message of Jesus Christ. As the shepherds go out and proclaim, people go, wow, the Messiah has been born and he's here in Bethlehem. This is unbelievable news. Again, I mentioned this would be like all of a sudden we find out that the president of the United States is going to move the White House to Snook. And we go, wow, that's a big deal for that little town, right? The king, the president, the leader of our nation is there. They look at Bethlehem and they go, in this manger, in this place, the Messiah that we've been waiting for for hundreds of years, is born. And everybody who heard it wonders at it. When was the last time you sang these songs, you read the message of the Gospels, and you were amazed? Have you spent time pulling back and thinking, what happened that God became a man, came to us, because he loves us that much, so we can go to him. Does that astound you anymore? Or have you lost your sense of wonder? How do you reclaim it? I think there are some practical ways. Maybe you sing a new song, go through your songbook or hymnal if you've got one, and you pull out some of those Christmas songs you don't sing as often that will push you to meditate And think about what happened. Maybe you read through some of these passages about the birth of Christ with your friends, your family, and you talk about them, and you think about them, and you chew on them. What is it that God has done in Jesus Christ, and why? Because he loved us. Talk to somebody who's recently trusted Christ. Hear their wonder and amazement that Jesus would come for them. To recapture that joy and that amazement, So then we're motivated to go proclaim. There's this extraordinary amazement in verse 19. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. What I love is in the midst of all this activity, look what Mary does. She gets quiet. And she just spends some time thinking about what's happened. Some of you might be dating somebody, have a significant other. Imagine that their birthday is coming up this week. And you've got a plan, you've got a party, you've got all of these things to put together, buy presents and prepare for it. And then your significant other calls you tonight and says, hey, can we just talk? Can we go spend some time together? And you go, no, I'm planning your birthday party, right? You hang up. Would that work? No, the relationship would be strained to say the least. But often I think that's what we do when we enter into Christmas. We're in all of this frantic activity. We've got to get the tree just right and the lights just right and the right presence for everybody. And I just want to make it through. And we never pull away because we are constantly with people and sit before God in quietness 
as we go into Christmas, you may have to take that time in the morning, in the evening, and pull away. Tell your family, hey, I just need a few minutes alone today to think about who Jesus is, what he's done for us. Read the scripture. And as Mary did, think about, contemplate those things in your heart. That the God of the universe loves you and wants you to know him. It's hard to do at Christmas. I know. I've got three kids. There's almost never quiet moments unless I look for them. And it may be at five in the morning. You may be in the same situation when you go home. But it is critical that we say, I want to continue to walk with God and know him and think about him so that then when I enter into the lives of my family and my friends and others around me, I'm filled with the Spirit of God and the joy that comes from knowing Him. So we pull away and we think about Jesus Christ. Verse 20, The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Lastly, this message prompts them to worship together. Prompts them to worship together. That's what we're doing this morning. That's how we're going to spend the rest of our time to look at the message of Jesus Christ, to seeing the message of Jesus Christ, and as a group say, we want to worship him together, to praise him, to glorify him for all that he's done in Jesus Christ so that when we go out, our minds, our hearts are focused on who he is, what he's called us to do, to share the message of Jesus Christ here and around the world so we don't lose sight of the fact that Christmas and really our whole lives center around Jesus. As we begin to sing again, just one question to think about and meditate on. How can you approach Jesus with a fresh and focused attitude of worship this year as you go into Christmas? So you come back in January and you're refreshed and you're joyful and you're closer to Jesus than when you walked out. So as we sing, let's think about that, meditate on that, allow our minds and our hearts to be moved with the awe of what God has done in Jesus Christ. praise your name forever and ever and ever. And we thank you that because of Jesus Christ, we have confidence that we will one day stand before your throne and do just that. I pray as we go out, as we go see family and friends, as we rest from school and work for a bit, that you would focus our minds and our hearts on you and on your son and on the mission and task that you have called us to to joyfully proclaim your mercy and grace to a world in desperate need. Father, I pray for each person, keep us safe as we travel. I pray that each person would come back in January closer to you than we are going out right now, ready for a new semester, ready for a new year, eager to serve you in whatever place you put us. And Father, we just ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you in January.